When Adam and Eve first sinned, it changed everything for them and us. Well, God counseled them during the event and led them through the fallout. Well, we can't hide from the reality of what our sin costs, nor can we overlook His grace through it. It's time to go the second mile in truth and consequences. Hey, this is Travis Agnew. Thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 541, uh, where he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. It is a call to do more than just the bare minimum as we follow Jesus. And I must tell you that I can't think of any place in the world that it's more important to try to apply second mile principle type living than within a marriage relationship. So whether you are married, uh, you're hoping to get married, you're on the way to get married, or you know somebody who is, right? Uh, All of us can see um, the great, wonderful things that can happen within a marriage relationship. But we can also see uh, when things get off uh, the track, they get derailed, how devastating it can be, not only for a couple, but for a family around it and friends around it and the church family that's attached to it, right? All all these things. And so uh, what we've been doing the last few weeks is going through some concepts that uh, I just put together in a book called Just About Married. It's a premarital resource uh, that walks through Genesis 1 through 3 and looks at the nature of uh, following God and also what happens in the context of a marriage and what that looks like. And so been looking at different concepts uh, without, throughout this uh, book that comes from Genesis 1-3. We've looked at formed and filled, uh, helpless and alone, uh, leave and cleave, naked and unashamed, fruitful and multiply, commandments and compromises, shame and blame. And now we come to the eighth principle, which is all about truth and consequences, right? So at the end of this narrative, what takes place is that, uh, you know, it says that in Genesis 3.23, that the Lord God sent him, sent Adam out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Once Adam and Eve had rejected everything they received, then everything they knew changed dramatically. Sin caused this first couple to live in less than what was initially offered. They prioritized sin, and therefore they received consequences driven from their home, uh, and everything changes. And you know what? We live outside of Eden as well. This world is broken. There's a reason why the image of God upon us has been distorted, and we must do what we can to try to stay in step with Him, even though uh, we have sinned and continue to endure the consequences. So let's look at this principle and how it fleshes out in marriages. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, after they had sinned, it says, The Lord God called to the man, called Adam, and he said to him, Hey, where are you? Well, God wasn't requesting a geographical location. It was more about his spiritual separation and what he wanted to do. And uh, and so the time of hide and seek was over. Uh, you know, that riveting potential for freedom from God uh, for Adam and Eve was revealed to be anything but that. And in an effort to be liberated, uh, these two actually became shackled. That's what sin does. They immediately regretted taking God's place. 
but making decisions for their own, and now they'd have to await the pronouncement of whether they could merely stay in any type of area with God. So God, he rounds up in the narrative. He gets Adam, Eve, Satan, everybody together. These three were the conspirators, and God planned to address each one of them. And so while each of them in the Garden of Eden was held responsible for their sin, God gave different punishments to each party. And let me break this down for you just a little bit, just to show you how what happened in their first marriage I believe also happens in every other marriage relationship. So first and foremost, there's the woman's punishment. Okay, uh, Genesis three sixteen it says, God spoke to her and said, "I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you." Um, so it speaks of that childbearing would now be difficult. It speaks that a power struggle would be present within the marriage. Uh, it, it spoke that really there was a lot of things that were changing, and so I want you to think about the the weight of that. Um, you know what happens is is that there's going to be this differing type of conflict that would take place now. You know, the reality of sin guarantees that couples will push back from God's intention about interacting with one another. So where Adam should have led, he became passive. And when Eve became rebellious, he never reasoned with her. When they were caught, he defended himself and cared not what happened to her. This obstructive passivity from him quickly became like this wicked aggression, right? And so in her punishment, she's having to deal with the family unit as being broken down in a really, really difficult way. Now, that's her punishment. Now, to, to Adam, he turns and says in Genesis 3.19, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So, first and foremost, work's now going to be challenging and frustrating for mankind. Anybody who's ever been tempted to take this job and shove it can understand that mentality easily, right? It's not always fun to have a job. They call it work for a reason. Uh, you got to realize one thing, though. Work wasn't the curse. Frustration with work was. However, there is a difference. It's important. So work's going to be challenging. Second, um, he says that a body's limitations will be undeniable, and death has now entered the picture. So what's happened is, with such imperfections, they weren't going to be able to finish this thing off. So God warned that our bodies would inescapably weaken, but he also declared that we would eventually die. And every single one of us has a starting date and an end date. There's no escaping that reality. This life is temporary. Shockingly, we will all be gone from it one day, and it will continue without us as if it weren't, wasn't ever dependent upon us in the first place. And as we cease to be alive here, we will live forever somewhere else, and none of us can escape that. We will die and face judgment, is what Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 warns us. So for those who've placed their hope in Jesus, they will live with him forever. For those who've requested Jesus to stay out of their lives, he will grant them that wish for all eternity as well. So here are these consequences, right? And and they're they're really uh, damaging in the sense of um, conflict between the next generation to come, conflict within the marriage relationship, conflict within the work and vocational aspects, uh, conflict now also uh, with just the thought of you are expendable, you won't last forever, you're gonna die, and so this is what sin does to us, right? It 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 distorts and frustrates every human relationship and makes things that should be joyful now painful. And it's also put a limit on our lives, which is why it's so important that since we don't know how long we have, that we must address these problems when the consequences for our actions come. How do we address them with the truth of God's word and his desire for the way that we go forward restoring these relationships?
So I think what takes place here in that moment is that um, there's a conflict that takes place, the consequences come in, and then all of a sudden something is affected at each of the core level. Um, what happens, I believe, is that in this moment, uh, while Eve could probably not understand all the anticipated changes wouldn't tell, she knew enough. God had created her and her husband in a painless process. The following generation would come out differently. The marriage relationship that be categorized as loving and peaceful has shown obvious signs of blame shifting and distancing. And at the most challenging point in her life, her husband turned his back on her. She's evicted from her home. Her relational dynamics were frayed. And the outlook on her future didn't seem too promising, right? And what took place was that this took her at a very deep place of insecurity, and which always has a way of leading us to fear and frustration. And I believe that uh, every woman in this world desires security in the critical areas of her life. But sin took that away. On the other side, side as Adam is pushed out to work another place in the garden that while Eve's security was threatened Adam's significant became significance became challenged God still expected Adam to fulfill his original purpose, but he's going to have to do so under frustrating circumstances. The enemy uh, intentionally uh, avoids Adam, approaches his wife. He's now having to be kicked out of the garden. Uh, all angelic beings see this, that he's having to be removed from this. Relational turmoil, um, laid off from his job, removed from distinguished position. You name it, right? And every man that I know desires significance in the critical areas of his life. But when Adam decided to sin, these things were robbed. Now, where does the solution come from? Um, a woman needs security like a man needs significance. And where, do we, where does it happen? Well, on the other side of the Bible in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives us the description of what we need to do. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord in Ephesians 5.22. And in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, so what do you mean? As a wife respects and honors her husband and, and, and believes in him and, and desires to follow him and to respect him in all areas of his life, when a wife submits in that type of way, a husband finds the healthy significance that he needs. But when a husband decides to lay his wife down the way that Jesus laid his life down on a bloody cross for those who did not deserve it, what happens in that husband's sacrifice the wife finds the consistent security that she needs. Do you see what takes place here? That there is this kind of situation that goes forth that a wife's security rises when a man lays down his life, his time, his efforts, his affections. And, and so in this, what the beauty about the truth and consequences is, if a, if a woman needs security, she finds it when a husband sacrifices for her. If the man needs significance, he finds it in the submission that she uh, just kind of reserves for him. That even within the context of the marriage relationship, we find that God is doing a restoration process in us. Because for every single man who desires to be something great and noble and worthy, in theory, a wife should ideally be coming along and saying, I believe in you. I trust you. You're someone that I love walking alongside with in life. And for a woman's deep desire for security and her need to know that everything is going to be okay in a broken world outside of Eden, she needs her husband to say, no harm is going to come to you. I'm not going to throw you in front of the enemy. I'm going to throw myself in front of the enemy and in my sacrifice, following King Jesus the way he would sacrifice for us. May you find the security that you need. 
Here's what I know. Sin has broken every single marriage relationship out there. It's broken every single one of us. And in it, we cannot continue to sin and hoping that it'll get better. Instead, we've got to reverse this and do what God has called us to do. As a man lays down his life, as a woman submits and honors her husband, we find this solution that can be found in a marriage relationship to deal with the truth and consequences, but to see God restore us in the process. I hope to see you on the second mile.